Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the time and opportunity you are giving us to be here. Thank you for the sun that is beginning to appear in a rainy day. And thank you for the blessing of getting together to, to think, to reflect how to reach diverse group of people for which we need to develop missions uh, from our church and for your kingdom, Father. Be with us in this presentation in Jesus' name. Amen. So yesterday, after um, we were um, we were basing this part of the presentation upon a topic in which the Book of Mormon says that there were, uh, excuse me, in in which Joseph Smith, the translator and and key person in the Book of Mormon, says that there was no Greek or Latin in the Book of Mormon. You remember that. And we were exploring because there were a lot of words that we found in, in the Book of Mormon with a Greek background, Apostle, Bible, and, uh, and several other words uh, that, that call our attention. Of course, the word Bible is not in the Bible. We were reflecting that. But I've been sharing at the end of the presentation that among the different um, what I will say, curiosities, is that in the book of Jacob, that is written in 544, it, it ends up here in chapter 7 with the last word when, when the author, in this case Jacob, say, brethren, dear, you know, and, uh, and we were, you know, uh, thinking and reflecting about that. And um, and that that is that is the center of of the topic in which there are some kind of things that are giving us the idea that instead of being a document that is from 500 before Christ is technically a document that is very much contemporary of the times in which Joseph Smith produced the translation. And tomorrow I'm going to speak a little bit about translation concept um, because there is a kind of progressive kind of Mormonism that is affecting some of the, of the conceptual framework of even the idea of translation. And, uh, and of course, um, the other is Mosiah, chapter 16, verse 6, in the Book of Mormon, about 148 years before Christ, that says, now if Christ had not come into the world, speaking of things to come as thou, they had already come, there could have been no redemption. Of course, this was another thing that is telling us that something is, is, is wrong because the hypothetical language like that, very proper maybe um, in the contextual of the English, uh, very very polite and very polished English, I will say, that not common of a, a Egyptian reformated concept, and we draw this kind of uh, conceptual framework to, to say that is almost difficult to believe um, or, or accept intellectually something that was coming that. And, and here is um, somebody that is uh, attending today. Um, among the books that we were recommending is the fourth one. Uh, it's the first one. Um, Found Brothers, uh, No Man Knows my, my History. And we were commenting about that many of the good writers regarding the topic of Mormonists are or were uh, former Mormons. Former Mormons. And uh, it's, it's quite interesting. If we go to the Bible... Because in, in, this, in this topic, sometimes we need to, to bring our reflection and our mission uh, based upon what the Bible says. And the Apostle Paul, uh, writing to the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 8, he said something that is quite, quite interesting, according to my point of view. He says, but 
though we or an angel from heaven. And, and it's, it, it is quite interesting because here we see an, an angel um, that, that is coming in. Tomorrow, in my presentation, I'm going to stress or maybe challenge the idea regarding of angel. And, uh, and, and you are going to see that because, because the reality is that uh, Joseph Smith, in the beginning, when he began to write about his experience in, in the dates surrounding the 22nd and the 23rd of September, um, 1824 and 1827, when he was describing, he used another phrase, and there were no name of angel. But he said that he was trying to get a hold of a kind of messenger. And we are going to, to touch base regarding that. Because um, the, the, the smell of that is, is quite interesting. Um, it's not given the idea of an angelic version of, of that point. And I'm going to stress upon that. But here we see the point that, but though we or an angel of heaven preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, let him accursed. And there are, there are two um, big movements nowadays that um, are telling that there was a revelation coming from an angel, talking to their prophet, giving them a book, and so on. And, and here um, is, is quite interesting. I call this a phenomenic kind of relation between them. And I copy from, from my power drawing, so I, I, uh, there are some mistakes, little mistakes um, in the presentation, but it, you are going, when you compare Mormonism and Islam from the phenomenic standpoint of view, you are going to see that in the Mormonism there is a prophet, in the Muslims there is a prophet also. That um, this prophet in Mormonism is going to say that he had vision and dreams. In the other, you are going to see the same, visions and dreams. And that he received in Mormonism his revelation through an angel, and you are going to see in the kind of the Mohammedans the same thing, uh, through an angel. And in Mormonism, you are going to see that there is a denunciation of other religions mistakes or, or wrongness uh, in, in practices and, and beliefs and so on. And you are going to see the same in, in Islamic, um, the same thing. They do have an own center. And you are going to see the, the same. It is quite interesting, you know, when, when I've been, um, when I've been um, um, getting, getting the traditional a version of the conversation of the Prophet Muhammad. I I I I got the book uh, about that. It's a very very big big book. Uh, it, it came from Saudi Arabia, Riyadh, uh, to my home. You know, so probably I am in the re register with them this moment. So it was quite interesting because when, when I was trying to define uh, uh, Muslims, I don't, know, I don't know how you define. You, you, sometimes we define as a religious movement. And, and, and I've been working several years um, comparing religious manifestations. But sometimes you say, okay, what is... What is Catholicism? How, how you define Catholicism? What is the vision of Catholicism? Or what is the uh, Baptist? Or what is Seventh-day Adventist Church? And so on, you know? You, you define that. But it is interesting how they define themselves. 
they define in that book as a regime. They define explicitly, first paragraph says, Islam is a regime. And, uh, and for me, that makes sense because it is a theocratic state. And wherever they are going to try to, to establish themselves, there is, that is the vision. So even though there are a minority, let me tell you that in those countries in which they are overpassing 50%, they are going to um, apply the vision of their own regime and is going to play conceptual politics and is not as being Baptist or Pentecostal or Evangelical or something like that. Think about, by the way, because uh, let me tell you that is that is going on in Europe in this moment. And I am uh, watching with certain concern the increased number that you are going to perceive in certain cities and, uh, and, and regions and, and places across USA. If you go to, 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 to Houston, you are going to see a, a very growing community in southeast side of Houston city. And if you take 75 South and cross the border and you are going to enter into Ohio, you are going to see a very big mosque over there. And, uh, and if you enter into, um, into the area of Detroit in which you, you take, um, you know, Michigan Avenue, Forest Street and so on over toward east on, or going to downtown Detroit, you are going to perceive a very big, big representation of 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 yes, of um, um, Muslim Arabic background, um, but mostly Muslim representation over that there. So they do have um, an, um, their own center, of course. In the case of Mormonism, that is um, um, Soli City, Utah. And when you go to the city, you are going to 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 see that the same center it is the temple and the num the numeric setting of the streets are numbered according to south north east west from the temple it is a world movement the other two offer a different gospel offer a different gospel so it is in the framework of galatians chapter 1 verse 8 so they do have their own book quran in the case of the muslims Book of Mormon, and both books, both quotes the Bible, and, uh, and according to them, the Bible announced uh, the people and the prophet of Mormonism, and for them, the Bible announced the prophet of them, and uh, there are a lot of similarities, quite, quite interesting. Of course, the polygamy was practiced by the Mormons, is practiced by the Muslims, and there are some anachronisms uh, in, in in both. And I, of course, I'm not going to center my presentation on the Muslims. Uh, I I did I guess one or two years ago. I don't remember now um, uh, regarding that topic. But let me tell you that there is a kind of manifestation of violent, intransigent attitude toward oppositions in the history of both movements, and, and that is not passed in the case of the second here. So, came back to the topic of Mormonism, and let's enter into the um, topic of contradictions. Yesterday, we were talking about the, the testimonies of the three witnesses, and we finish, I guess, with that, uh, because when you open the book of the Mormon, uh, the, the first thing that you are going to see is the testimony of the three witnesses that say, Be it known unto all nations, kindred tongues, and people, unto whom the work shall come, 
that um, Joseph Smith, in, in, in essence, showed us the golden tables uh, from which this book is written, and below the names, Oliver Cowdery, um, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris. And immediately you see the testimony of eight witnesses. And one of the things that um, I've been working with, it is that it is very clear coming from the, the, the book Doctrine on Covenants, and we were quoting that, I, I guess it was here, here, chapter 5, that there was not a possibility that there were more than three witnesses. Because in, in verse 3, it's very clear that um, there were those persons. And uh, in verse 11 says, the testimony of three of my servants. And, uh, and in verse 14 says, among this generation. And verse 15 reiterated the idea and the testimony of three witnesses. But when we go to the Book of Mormon, you found three and eight. And I've been explaining what was the problem. It was, we were talking with my wife in coming back in the trip, and she said, maybe you didn't make clear the topic that what happened with the three witnesses. And I said, I guess I was, but uh, I don't know. The problem was that three first witnesses apostatized, abandoned the movement. And in why, that... And why, in, why, why was that? Why? They abandoned the church. They, why did they abandon? Well, there, there, were, there were difficulties and difference with the prophet, and they were, one of them was family, or coterie, and, um, and uh, for some reason... And, and there was a moment in which there was no witnesses. That's a reason by which Joseph Smith went to look for uh, the eight. Here, the eight. Some of them, again, related close to, to them. Um, and one of them never gave back to the church. Two of them get back after maybe some kind of of years, but in the mid time, in the middle of the time, there were no witnesses, and that was a problem. So finally, the prophet went into looking for and showing them the tables and so on, and these were the witnesses. But in the process of going to that, um, the problem was that the three originals were not permitted by the revelation. So my, because it is, it is very clear, it is very clear that, that, that was, the prophet was in a, in a problem here. So he went to look for something. And here, what I am showing is that in the Book of Mormon and in the writings of, uh, of Mormonism, there are quotations coming from the Bible in which sometimes you, you are not going to detect easily, but, but it's coming from, from the Bible. This is Song of Songs um, that, is, um, that is in the Bible, Solomon. And, and here you are, you are going to see from here, beginning to the rise up and the coming fall of the church in the wilderness are clear as the moon and fair as the sun. And when you put that ideas upon that, the idea is coming from the Song of, of Songs. It's, it's clear that. Um, I am comparing uh, Doctrines and Covenants, chapter 5, verse 14, here with Song of Songs of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 10. So it's, it's quite interesting. What was the problem? Answering the question, in essence, the problem was Joseph Smith left with no witnesses and went to look for new witnesses, eight witnesses. But in doing that, he left the contradiction unsolved. 
about the contradiction is upon, upon that. I, I show the contradictions to them, not, not with the idea of, look guys, here is a problem, and uh, maybe, uh, you know, with, uh, with a, a vision of superiority, but a beginning to, to open dialogue with them, to go to the Bible, and to establish a foundation upon the Bible. And normally I study with them, at that point, something regarding a prophetic message, Isaiah 13, um, um, Daniel chapter 2, you know, something like that, in order to begin to establish a foundation and a connection uh, regarding the Bible. They don't know normally many things regarding prophecies of the Bible. Let me tell you. Um, so let me show you another, um, because uh, this is, and we are starting technically with the new information of today, Doctrines and Covenant 130, um, that is part of the books, and I am using Doctrines and Covenants because, remember something, they accept that um, the Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenants, and the Peel or of great price are um, canonical for them. And the Bible, according to the article of faith number eight, is until it is translated correctly. Yes, you have a question? Uh, I was just trying to mention regarding this gentleman's question. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's um let's go um let's go back here, doctrines and covenant one three zero. Um and you're going to detect something, um, another tone of, of the prophet Joseph Smith. I prophesy in the name of the Lord God and that the commencement of the difficulties which will cause much bloodshed previous to the coming of the Son of Man will be in South Carolina. It may, and it says probably arise through the slave question. This is a voice, this a, vo this a voice declared to me while I was praying earnestly on the subject on the 7th, the 21st, that is Christmas time, uh, 1832. I prophesied. But, by the way, the, the first verse is very solemn. The second is, it is uh, quite interesting. And it says, verse 14, And I was once praying very earnestly to know the time and the coming of the Son of Man, when I heard a voice repeat the following. Verse 15, Joseph, my son, if thou livest until thou art eighty-five years old, thou shalt see the face of the Son of Man, Therefore, let this suffice and trouble me no more on this matter. So there, there, are, there are some things I, I am, you, you can read it, uh, you, you can take your, but um, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me share with you my point. First, I prophesy. It is, it is giving with that. I prophesy in the name of the Lord. But now it says that the Lord says, probably arise through the slave question. Probably. Uh, when, when, you, when, you, when you compare the, this concept and maybe take the probably and apply the probably into the prophetical message in the Bible, um, uh, we, we, with uh, a prophecy with probably it can be, you know, it can be whatever be. Um, because probably means if if it happened, fine. If doesn't happen, it probably. It is close, it's close. But there is no certainty that that is the question here. But now when it says, Joseph, my son, if 
thou lives until thou art 85 years old. And you, and you say that the Lord is speaking. You question yourself and say, hey, here, here we have a problem. Or, or the problem is the Lord of the prophet or the prophet of that Lord. Because here is, here is another thing. But, but, but if you put technically the, the, the phrase and you say, okay, if you, if you, if you live eight, until 85 years old, okay, he was born in Sharon, Vermont in 1805, okay? So 1805 plus 85 years is going to take you to 1890, but in 1890, nothing happened. So here you have another result. And, and the result is that you have a prophetical conceptual vision that is unfulfilled. Uh, that is my perception. I, I don't know if, if you have the same perception. Uh, yeah, of course, he, this is not implied. But, but besides that, besides that, it is the concept not about um, that topic, but he didn't leave until that. He was, he was killed in 1844. He was about, what, 39 years old when, when he was killed. And, uh, and he was killed as a polygamist and also as a mason. And remember something, Masons in those days didn't like that the things that are secret for them, they don't want it that those things were revealing out of their own, you know. Yes, so that, that, is, that is part of the problem in which he was entangled with. So Joseph, my son, if thou livest until thou art 85 years old, thou shalt see the face of the Son of Man. Therefore, let this feast and trouble me no more on this matter. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's quite, quite interesting, you know. I, um, my, my, my wife says, please, Daniel, do not overpass certain things. Don't permit that. Italian-ish Italian coming for the youth. So um, let, let's enter into the topic of, of polygamy. Um, polygamy is a very sensitive topic uh, for the Mormons um, because if, um, if, you, if, you, if officially they are not practicing polygamy, okay? Uh, however, when you when you dig in, there are polygamist manifestations in Utah till today, and and you are aware of that because it was on the news and it was across nationwide information. Uh, and I am not um, so. Some people denied, of course, foreign people sometimes. Others say, well, it's propaganda, whatever. But the picture, this picture is real. By the way, if you put, if you put, if you put, uh, if you Google the topic uh, and you enter into www Google and, and you put Brigham Young and, and that, that is widely uh, known. You, you are going to get that on the internet because I downloaded uh, from the internet. I, I, I had it in my, uh, in my book here. In those days, and that is um, in 1988 when I published and in Spanish, and, and, and I put that. So it's quite quite known the the topic. Um, but it's interesting this. I take notice of this because this, this is this is something uh, uh, curious. I will say, this is the Book of Mormon, Jacob, chapter two, verses 26 and 28. And here the Book of Mormon says, Wherefore, I, the Lord God, will um, not... Uh, let me see if I can correct a little bit here. Let me see if I can move 
a little bit this. Yes. Um, Wherefore, I, the Lord God, will not suffer that these people shall do like unto them of old. Wherefore, my brethren, hear me, and hearken to the word of, word of the Lord, for there shall not any man among you have saved it, be one wife and concubines he shall have known. So this is the book of Mormon. And you say yourself, hey, how, how is this? How is this? Is, 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 is this a canonical book or not? Yes, it's a canonical book. The book of Mormon is for them with no restriction or no limitation than, like, for example, of the Bible. Because of the Bible, they say, until it is correctly translated, article of faith number eight. So you ask yourself, what? well, here is a revelation. Doctrine of Covenant, chapter 132, says, verse 60, Let no one therefore set on my servant Joseph, for I will justify him, for he shall do the sacrifice which I require at his hands for his translation, transgressions, said the Lord your God. And again, Verse 61, as pertaining to the law of the priesthood, if any man espouse a virgin and desire to espouse another and the first give her consent, and if he espouse the second and they are virgins and have vowed to no other man, then is he justified. He cannot commit adultery for they are given unto him, for he cannot commit adultery with that that belonged unto him and to no one else. Oh my. Oh my. I don't know if I could put here a comment regarding this topic. No, okay. So I... I always uh, call the attention on this topic regarding this 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 place. Uh, let no one therefore set on my servant Joseph. So, in certain sense, what we can find here, and I cannot avoid the topic here. Please, I, I, I'm not a Mormon, so I. There is free of speech in this country, so I am going to use a little bit of that. Uh, he is using the concept of revelation, of illumination, of I am a prophet and I am voice of the Lord with name, personal name, or something like that, as a Justification of behavior. That, that, that is my understanding of that. I, I don't know if that is yours, but it's, it's my, my perception. It's, it's a kind of, 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 of thing that is very clear. And I work out in the, in the chapter uh, regarding that, that, that in a moment, it, 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 is, it, it, it was a very, very big situation uh, among them. And, and I put all, all the names and the names of the so said spoused of that were involved in the marriage with uh, Joseph Smith. I put all, all the names here. There are about 47. For, 47. And I, I am. And let me tell you something. That um, that in the in the practice it was not kind of a spiritual relation. I um, you know here in this country you have people 
that became leaders and pastors of the of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and sometimes you don't know the background. But one of them, good friend of myself, he used to be um, son of uh, a gentleman that uh, used to be a Mormon. And, uh, and the wife of this person was engaged in a spiritual marriage with somebody else inside the congregation. And uh, once uh, he began to ask himself what's going on, and he discovered with big, big pain in the, in the heart that uh, she was involved in uh, duties of being a celestial marriage involvement with gentlemen of that congregation with physical relationships. Finally, he divorced, abandoned the faith, and became later Seventh-day Adventist. Um, some, sometimes, you know, this is a kind of experiences in which people do not speak aloud about this kind of thing because it's kind of shame involvement into that kind of situation but um, this is bringing some kind of, of, of pain in the people. By the way, um, th this person is quite known among, <laughs> among ourselves and, uh, and I do believe about the testimony of this but um, that, that's critical. That, that, that is very, very critical uh, into, the, into Mormonism. Let, let me enter into another kind of, of contradictions now, because I am, I am showing contradictions here, and I started contradictions in between books um, inside the conceptual framework of, of revelations. That means, remember, they, they believe the Bible is the word of God, they believe doctrines and covenant, and the pill of great praise, and the Bible until it is corrected correctly translated. So we are going to begin to, to show something regarding the Bible. But um, uh, we have a question here. Yes. You have a question? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, when, uh, when you study with the Mormons, uh, their doctrines and teachings and so on, um, sometimes um, they, they, they develop a quite interesting, you know, process of teaching this. And they are going to show you something like that. They are going to put or, or a screen or, or a franelograph or something like that, a display, portable screen, and they are going to attach the old world, the new world, and say, well, there was a revelation for the old world, and there is a new revelation for the new world. The old revelation for the old world is the Bible. The new revelation for the new world is the Book of Mormon. So they are going to show you that kind of display. So, um, so this, is, this is what they are going to show. Is the Bible a revelation from God? Is the Bible a revelation um, of the Book of Mormon? Is a revelation from, from the Lord? And this is happening... Several times I've, I've been studying with them, and they started with this same thing. And once, I was in um, South Uruguay, South America, and I received the visit of a couple of gentlemen, uh, missionaries of, uh, of Mormons, um, in, in, by bike. They, they were working into the area. And... Um, and they began to make the study. So I accepted, and I was watching and receiving, listening, and so on. So I began, at the end, they asked me, do you have any questions? I said, yeah, I, I do have a question. What, what, is, what is your question? Say, well, you say that the Bible is a revelation for the old world. And he said, yes. 
And one was in front of me with a kind of knowledge, and the other was learning. So I was using Spanish, but let me tell you in Spanish how I was saying the question. I was saying, there was a revelation for the old world, isn't it? Yes. And this revelation is coming from God. Yes. Okay. And the new revelation was coming through the Book of Mormon, and the Book of Mormon was coming from the Lord. Yes. And I saw both of them saying, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I have a question. And what is the question? If this is a revelation of God, this is a revelation of God. There is no contradiction. Listen. Yes. Okay. So the question is, where was born Jesus? And, and, and at that point, they started a problem. The point is that when you ask that, where was born Jesus, you are going to find out that immediately <laughs> there was a problem. Because the Book of Mormon says one thing, and the Bible says a different. The Bible says where? And I asked that. And the, the, the young missionary in the back says, Berlin. Bethlehem. And he said in Spanish, very clearly, Belen. I said, good. And the other in the front turned himself toward him and said, Jerusalem. And watched at me and said, Jerusalem. And the other touched him, called him back and said, Bethlehem. And they began a pink point, you know, <laughs> Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Jerusalem. And finally, the leading boys watch him and say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And say, okay. Because the Bible says, Matthew 2, 1, Bethlehem. But in the book of Alma, chapter 7, verse 10, says, Jerusalem. So, you know how they explain that? They say, well, um, I say, I notice a difference between you guys. So, I, I don't know why you are going to be in different side each other. And say, no, 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 no. It's the, the point, and he watched the other and say, Look, in those days, all the area, all the area was called Jerusalem. And I say, really? Mm -hmm. and, and, and the other in the back was deadly silent, you know, completely silent. But he was Danish, by the way, Danish background. And, um, and I began to listen and say, um, you say that the whole area was called Jerusalem, do you say? He said, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, then I have another question. Can I? I said, yes, of course. What is the question? The question is this. If the area of those days uh, is called Jerusalem, why King Herod only sent to kill those in Bethlehem? Could you, could you answer me that? Uh, and he began to say, well, it's a good question. Okay, but... And he watched the other and say, well, brother... <laughs> the other, the other, the other say, well, I already give the answer. Like... Uh, it's, you know, it's... It's a good question. Uh, 
and you're going to be tomorrow here. I, I, I know what happened when that happened and say, uh, yeah, I'm going to be here, but uh, you don't have the answer. And I say something that day, but please, sorry for that, sorry. I was very, no, I was not Italian. I was really an Indian in doing that. You know? <laughs> I, I, I say, how in the world you are going to teach without knowing the answers to the question? <laughs> oh, tomorrow we are going to be here, and we are going to clarify this, and we are going to help you regarding that topic, and we are going to show you everything about that. Okay, okay. tomorrow I'm going to be here. And tomorrow comes, is 24 hours. By the way, they were sharp on time. None of them were coming back. None. Okay, so I, I was with a, 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 two missionaries that I never met before. And they say to me, you have a, a question. Yes. And what is the question? Well, I have the question for those friends yesterday. Uh, yeah, but give, give me the question to me. No, no. The question is for them. But uh, they are not going to be here. Why? Because they told me they were going to get back. That's the reason why, I, why we are here. Oh, no, no, no. I need to talk to them. So I say, what happened with them? Well, we dissolved that group. The, the Danish guy went back to Denmark, and the other is going to be in another place. And that, that is a long story that I've been seeing across the times, uh, really. And I am very sorry for that, you know. But, but the point is, it's not one of Denmark and the other from USA, the other is the other big question is over here. That, that's the problem. That, that is the problem. It's not a person. It's not a missionary. It's that they are conveying something that is in contradiction with the Bible. It's the same thing regarding their scriptures um, between the Book of Mormon and Doctrines and Covenants and the Book of Mormon and the Bible or Doctrines and Covenants together or against or in relationship with the Bible. That, that, is, that is the point. Uh, let me tell you, the Bible, the reports that an author provides is through the testimony, witnesses, scripture, reference, places, and so on. And when, when you compare those things with the Book of Mormon, you are going to, to be in a very big trouble because the places refers in the Bible still exists. And, and you say Nazareth, and you're going to, the, to that place. You say Jerusalem, you are going to, to go to the place. You say River Jordan, you are going to visit the place. But in the Book of Mormon, there are places, cities, locations with names that nobody knows where they are. You, you understand the topic? I am. So, um, so sometimes uh, the text reveals a big uh, dependence uh, upon, upon the Bible also because um, the, the, the text is going to give you, the Book of Mormon is going to give you the atmosphere of, of the linguistic uh, of things. But when you enter into deep into that, you are going to see that the Book of Mormons verbatim grammatical structure and, and Polish English is King Shane's version. Uh, you know, it is, it, is, it is very clear, but all the thing contains anachronism that made its information dubious. No questions about that. Um, and there is no reliable evidence in history that may support one single piece of information provided in the Book of Mormon. By the way, that is not my only statement. 
Smithsonian is going to, I don't know if I'm going to reach today about that, but in Smithsonian Institute is going, institution is going to give you that. All sciences and disciplines related to history, like archaeology, chronology, and others, can also uh, are going to bring um, evidences regarding regarding that. And and this is, uh, I will say, this is um, critical because what Mormon says um, regarding the inhabitants of Judea that spoke Reformation Egyptians and built civilizations, cities, towns. And there were battles and hundreds of people, thousands of people were died. Um, and, and when you look for the places, no, no traces at all, no history, no background, but they believe about that. They mention coins, money. But there are no one dime that is going to be used in America in those days. And the Book of Mormon speaks about engraving scriptures in golden plates and in metal plates and so on. But everything is disappeared. So um, there is no evidence. This uh, is a denomination so spiritual that there is no traces of material evidence, even DNA. Uh, disappear and that that that's the thing I think that there are three million people 15 millions according to the statistics that need our help and that's that's the reason of this so what are the sources of Mormonism I'm going to start this point I, I'm, I'm not tomorrow I'm going to 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 give you this um, let me let me refer about or introduce the topic of this. Um, this gentleman uh, here is is the writer of this, the Book of Mormon uh, studies on the Book of Mormon. This is Brigham Henry Roberts. Brigham Henry Roberts. Sometimes you are going to see the name B. H. Roberts. It is a quite respected historian in the Mormonists, born in 1857 and died in 1933 and was a Mormon leader, historian, and politician. And he published The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Dates and also studies of the Book of Mormon, and um, where he discussed the validity of the Book of Mormon, and uh, he was denied a place in the United States Congress because he was practicing polygamy. And uh, four wives, by the way, not 47, like the former, uh, uh, but uh, four now. <laughs> but, uh, and, he, and he began to, to, to give you an idea on these studies and he began to say and to build up some kind of apologetics for the Mormons uh, in, in connection with another book that is View of the Hebrews. View of the Hebrews. Of uh, an author. And he began to do a kind of comparison in between. And I'm going to share with you about this. Let me, let me advance today in order to shorten the time, because probably tomorrow I'm going to enter into more detail in other things. But if you, can you give me, if I am reach 30, you can give me five minutes? Five minutes, no more than that? Can, can you give me five minutes? Yeah, same price. I am not going to charge for that. So it's quite interesting when you, when you compare the, the, the book View of the Hebrews and the Book of Mormon. First of all, this book that is from Ethan Smith. From Ethan Smith. Yes, thank you. Um, this is the writer. And he published the first edition of the book. It is in 1823. Taking count that the Book of Mormon is going to be finished in 1827. But there was... An edition 
called View of the Hebrews in 1825. The point is in 23 and 25, two editions, okay? You are going to see that there is some, what I would say, crucial elements in between both of them. Um, one is published in Pulteney, Vermont, and the other is uh, published in Palmyra, uh, North um, New York. And uh, one book says Israelitish origin of the American Indians. Both books are with that idea. And um, destruction of Jerusalem and the scattering of um, Israel. Both books are going to have this idea. The future gathering of Israel and restoration of the ten tribes. Both books. The view of the Hebrews and the book of Mormon are going to have these ideas. Both books are going to use um, some of the elements of the prophecies of Isaiah, and they are going to quote sometimes long texts and sections and chapters of the book of, of Isaiah, both, one and the other. Both appeal to the Gentiles of the new world, like, you know, um, altar appeals or something, you know, compelling people to take decisions. Both books are going to take that. Before the migration, there was no population in America. Both books sustain the same thing. The journey from, from Israel or Jerusalem lands into the new world was toward the north. Both books are going to sustain that. There were similarities of names of the leaders in both books. About the concept of lost tribes were divided in two in America, both books are going to have that. One, one group became indolent and lazy hunters, and the other worked refined and cultural and developed in the art and civilization. Both books are going to take the same vision. There were war between the barbarians and the civilized people. Both books are going to sustain that. The educated develop arts and writings and uh, navigation skills and work at iron and metal. Both books are going to have that vision. The same criteria of racial unity in America Jewish dependent, both books are going to have that vision. One race populated all the Americas. Both books are going to have that. Okay. Um, let me finish here because maybe tomorrow I'm going to expand a little bit. Before the comparison, I'm going to, uh, yes, after finish. Uh, before the comparison, um, Bregan Henry Roberts says this, The material of Ethan Smith's book is of a character and quantity to make a ground plan for the Book of Mormon. It supplies a large amount of material respecting American antiquities leading to the belief that civilized and semi-civilized nations in ancient times, occupied the American continent. And, and after the comparison, because he is in between pages uh, 240, 241, 242, approximately, and after that says, can such numerous and startling points of resemblance and suggestive contact be merely coincidence? Can be. So, critical question is this. Does Joseph Smith know, know about view of the Hebrews? Because what 
what if you if you read quite well, he says that delineation, the structure of the Book of Mormon is based upon view of the Hebrews. By the way, the cover to the right is in Amazon. You can get that on Amazon. And, and you might be able to compare that because that is very clearly. In, in, in studies, page 240 says, the likelihood of Joseph Smith and his family contact with Ethan Smith book and other books dealing with American antiquities has been insisted upon. He says that. And the question is, did Joseph Smith, the prophet of Mormonism, was acquainted with the book View of the Hebrews? Because if Joseph Smith was in knowledge then, it is not only absence of originality, but his pretended condition of prophet is at risk, at least to say it sweet, you know? So here are the potential evidence. One. There were two editions of the view of the Hebrews, 1823 and 1825, that preceded the first edition of the book. Second, between 1821, put attention to this, and 1826, Ethan Smith was the pastor of the congregational pastor of Oliver Cowdery that used to be the clerk the writer of the Book of Mormon that helped Joseph Smith to finish the book. Okay? Second, third point. From April 7, from 1829, Cowdery acted as a primary scribe of Joseph Smith. And from the moment he started, just in very few months, the Book of Mormon was accomplished and finished. So this is telling you, this is telling you that there is, I will say, surrounding evidences that Joseph Smith knew the Book of Mormon. Excuse me, view of the, of the Hebrews to build up the Book of Mormon. This is what I wanted to say. Until one night, because one night in which uh, sometimes my wife is questioning me, what you are doing? I was searching, searching, and I entered into the Brigham Young University. For some reason, appeared the topic. And here it is. The point is no longer a question. Joseph Smith knew the book, and he quotes the book in a magazine of which he was the editor-in-chief called The Times and Seasons, a bi-monthly magazine located in the intersection of Water and Brain Street in Nauvoo, Hancock County, that is Illinois, the same where is located the Cartagena Prison, Illinois, USA. And it's printed in the edition of June 1st, 1842, between pages 1813 and 1814, and this is the picture. Here it is, here is the magazine, and here is, here is the time and season is edited by who? Joseph Smith. And here, Smith, View of the Hebrews, page 220. No question. So he, he knew. He copied. He knew. He knew. I didn't say he copied. I say he knew about that. You are very kind to me. <laughs> Thank you for that. One point I gained today. Yes. How long was he in jail? Short time, less than a month. Uh, I, yes, 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 yes. It is. So here is here is the evidence. And, and that, 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 is, uh, that is the point I'm going to put in the book. So you are the first starting regarding that. And I think that is, that is good information regarding, regarding this topic. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm going, to, I'm going to take just the time to do a prayer. Because let me tell you that uh, these people need our help. And I guess that we might be able to provide that 
because we know what is going on or what happened in 1844, and they are going to happen something with them if just we tell them about that God was building the true church of his kingdom in the last times. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for um, your guidance. Thank you for the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Thank you because they are telling the truth and there is no other gospel than your gospel for salvation. And help us to share these things with our friends and, uh, and family members maybe that are um, enrolled in some kind of uh, these activities to tell them that there is no other gospel than your gospel in the Bible, in the Holy Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.